Hello, all you cosmic travelers and wanderers. This is Darlene Vandegrift and Kay Melissa Waterman, inviting you to join us today in our episode of Expansion from Within, Exploring Multidimensionality. Let me introduce you to my friend and dear colleague, Darlene Vandegrift. She is a lifetime experiencer, a medical intuitive, and a multidimensional mediator for over 35 years. She's also an author, an artist, a teacher, and a mentor for spiritually invested people. And Kay Melissa Waterman is my friend and colleague, and she's an intuitive mentor, a spiritual teacher. She also works with energy on many levels. In the past, Melissa has worked with Dr. Joe Dispenza on his research team. Join us on our journey of meeting multidimensional beings, exploring what it means to be human, and expanding our spiritual evolution. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. The recording that you'll hear about Ellie was done prior to the Council of 28 transitioning into the evolves. So have a great listening. Well, it looks like today we're going to interview yet another member of the council. We're going to have a conversation with Ellie. And I know that Ellie is one of the early members that, that you were speaking with. Do you yes. want to tell us anything about Ellie before we ask Ellie yeah. questions? It's Ellie Wazar, which I found out in writing the book that his real name is Elijah Wazar. And there's a reason for that, which is in the book. Uh -huh. Wait, are but you pushing the book? We're pushing it. I finished it. Yay. I did. So now yeah. it, it's going to be back with the editor. We're going to spend a couple of days together to finish all the timelines to make sure everything is coherent. And then we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. So Ellie came in in 1991. And that was, he's the first one that, that appeared. He didn't really appear. It was a voice. Mm -hmm. I was listening. I think we talked about this in one of the earlier episodes. You know, my mother had a uh, regression mm -hmm. and it was recorded. And I had, I was told to listen to it in the privacy without my kids around. And when I did, it was a very traumatic experience that she had with two grays that were on either side of her in her bedroom. And she was couldn't move and they were doing something with her. And I found out later that that was as much as it was terrorizing for her, they, they were trying to help her with a health issue, but there was no communication. When I listened to that on the recording, there was a voice that rose up that said, we did not do that. I did not do that. And I had no idea what that was. And like, it was a voice that I heard in my head and it was like, oh, I don't know what that is or who that is or why would I be saying that so I had my own regression and that's when Ellie Wazar came forward and he's actually me by the way he's one of my I can't say first incarnations but he is an incarnation that I chose as a reptilian interesting enough so that's how I met him and then he's introduced me to the other council at that time it was the council of 12 and then it became the council of 28. So let's just talk for a minute about uh, Ellie being a reptilian and how that's, you know, Ellie is our friend. Ellie is an, an ally. Yes. Yet reptilians sort of have a bad reputation. Can you say more about that? There's different levels of reptilians, levels meaning not seniority or authority, even though some of them think they are. 
the color wise is either a dark green or a blue black color. These are the bigger reptilians. I don't see much of those, but they're part of the reptilian culture. Then there's the Dracos, which a lot of people know about and where Ellie came from. They were in charge of the mines on uh, Maldak. That was a small planet that broke up into what we call the um, asteroid belt now. <clears throat> and then there's the other reptilians that are, I mean, even dragons are considered reptilians, right? So they're that, they look a certain way. They look reptilian. Um, you know, Ellie happens to look more like a lizard as opposed to being, so he's green with greenish, yellowish scales. Um, I think you're going to put the picture up with that. I will. And then there's another part reptilian and another reptilian that is in the council. And that reptilian is the grifter. And he's more salamander looking. He doesn't have scales because he's lived underground for all his life. In fact, he doesn't particularly care to come topside. There's different categories. There's different purposes, like the reptilians initially when they were brought in by the Anunnaki, they work together. They don't particularly care about each other. They don't really, you know, they don't have that camaraderie. But the reptilians were brought onto the planet as the, being boots, boots on the ground. So they kept law and order. Um, and they didn't have to do much to keep law and order because just the way they looked was, you know, ominous enough. And then they moved underground too. So there, I know that there's certain species that are reptilian that are underground that handle things that are that are there and some of them have been military has been aware of them and have encounters with them when i look at them there's no definition just like there's no real bad humans or good humans right we're all we have that choice to be whoever we are and what our background is so the reptilians are, are basically the same too you know there's those that are benevolent and there's those that are malevolent and somewhere in between you know there's those that are trying to be more human and that's what ellie has chosen for that particular timeline for him is to be more humanized have a deeper understanding of emotions because he does have them, but you're not allowed to have them as a reptilian where he came from. So, you know, they were very hidden. They were, you know, they were not allowed to be expressed. He coming to earth and being part of the council, as many on the council are that are coming from other areas, being more humanized and having a, a deeper respect for life and having an open, more of an open heart of compassion and understanding and empathy. That's what his goal was is to have more of that as a reptilian, you know, because we have reptilian brains, right? I mean, that's our survival. So we, we're kind of shared in some way. We've evolved from reptilian, yes? I Do we? Did we? <laughs> I, I just assumed that. I, I don't know if I've read that or not, but it, 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 it seemed reasonable to me if we still have a reptilian brain that that would have been left over from some other part of us, some other ancient part of us. Yeah. Well, ancient, if we take a look at the Anunnaki, they're related. They look more human. They do not look, um, at least my impression of them or how I see them is they're not, they do not look uh, reptilian. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's some that do, but I have right. not experienced that. We are related to the Anunnaki in some way. So mm-hmm. I would imagine that that, and it is our survival thing because that it comes from no emotion. It comes from action, action, fr- fright or flight, right? Mm-hmm. That That's where the survival brain comes from. And it's called reptilian because of that, because there is no, right. You know, with other animals, you know, the four leggeds, they have some form of companionship or family or pride or, you know, any of those, the reptilians don't. And part of, part of Ellie's evolution in the timeline that he's in is that they went from egg bearers to live bearers you know, there is something happening with his particular part of being reptilian. Um, I have just a general question about reptilians. Is it true that reptilians can transform and look very human and are, you know, probably walking around among us? Yeah, that, that's been said too. I've had clients that have seen somebody that's on TV or somebody that's in front of them that shapeshifts. Uh-huh. to be to look more reptilian and i think i think there's a capability of that's just not limited to reptilians i think that that's a capability that multidimensionals may have especially if they're integrated sure there's an integration in through agreement mm-hmm. right uh, as opposed to invasion that yes i would believe that they would there's other beings that can do that too right yeah I've just always found it very interesting. You know, I I think whenever I've heard that it's someone's fear and they're talking about how bad it is. And it's like, well, that's usually how I'm not sure that it's so bad. I'm not sure that I think it could be a fine thing. Like if you were going to come to another planet and you thought they might be hostile to you, it would be great to shapeshift so they didn't kill you, right? Yes. (laughs) Just on that basic level, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have no idea who's wandering around with us. Right. And they're not all reptilian. Right. Can we speak with Ellie now? Yes, we can. I need to ask him why he's... So, Ellie... I I never see Ellie with clothes on other than when I was writing the book and then he insisted that he needed clothes on, but he's got a hat on. So let me find out what that's about because he's never wearing a hat ever. Oh, sure. Yeah, please. He can be humorous at times. So what's coming up is even in the last couple of weeks, because of there's a shift that's happening in the, uh, in the council of 28, they are, they are moving things around. They're five years. It's actually 10 years since I've been working with it. Council of 28. So this is their five-year anniversary, September, of coming out into the public when they asked me to do that and all the paintings and all of that. He's got a hat on because they're on vacation. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Well, yeah. I'm so glad he could break his vacation to meet. Me. Yeah, yeah. So he, t- he took the hat off because it was just a, it was it was an information piece for me because I've been wondering where they they've been you know they keep saying i'm being we're we're preparing we're preparing we're preparing yeah i don't know exactly what that means but it doesn't sound like vacation if they're doing yeah it doesn't sound like vacation but maybe they have a different way of doing things i'm sure that's that's very true um if you wouldn't mind asking ellie you know to tell us about his people the the reptilian race or his aspect of the reptilian race what's 
What is it like? What are they like? When he was in Malduck, he had a family. What he would say is that there's no marriage. We created marriage here as a form of discipline as they look at it. They had family there that were actually destroyed on, on Maldeck. He would say that they live in a peaceful, they are more benevolent, his society of what has, because they were all defectors that came from another planet that were taken to Maldeck to work in the mines, just like the Anunnaki worked in, had humans working in the mines. So there was ore on Maldeck and that's what their, that's what their mining was. But he would say in his evolution of himself as well as them, though that species of reptilian, which he would consider the green glistening reptilians, that that they have more of a benevolent heart, that they have a desire to be more human. Um, they wouldn't say that they think that humanity is better. Um and they don't see themselves as better, but they they see that the capability of what humans have been offered is different than what the capability of what reptilians have been offered and that they're curious about. That he has a very distinct curiosity of wanting to be more than he is or was, and that will continue. He believes that a lot of his friends and family that he has now, which I wasn't even aware of, that are part of his species, that they are on the same wavelength of having that curiosity of other things and not be so disciplined what the reptilian brain was always about, which is the which is survival, that there's a curiosity to be more in many different fields. He heard you talking about shape-shifting. He would say that that's something on his list, that he would like to learn how to do that. It's on my list too. He doesn't think it's so difficult because time travel he thought was difficult, but then found out that it wasn't. And that intention leads to everything to be created. Whatever you have intention on, that is what he knows to be a value that gets created. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. How did he come to be on the council? So the council was developed long before I was conceived. Because if Ellie is part of my lineage, it was long before that. It wasn't really a council. It was a group of interested beings that had curiosity and hope for humanity. But as humanity starts to take a download, you know, like or a downturn of their choices, and that was beginning, um, I mean, really, where they really stepped in more as not just the council, but multidimensionals was in World War II when we started to use really weapons against each other and how we destroyed the earth in some way. That is a non-negotiable to multidimensionals, the earth is. And so when Ellie came forward, when I was, whatever year that was, 91, when he came forward, it was more of a surprise that I heard him. They didn't expect that, but it was a real gift. And that's when they developed more of the, okay, let's do this as a council and introduce a council of 12 to get me up to speed, right? Because it was, I had to go through all my, whatever I was holding on to in my past lives and timelines and all that. 
so that's that they introduced that first and then the council of 28 came in as a bigger perspective for humanity of looking at their own timelines and how it interjects and it interferes you know other people's timelines their own timelines interferes with their own evolution and becoming more benevolent so the council was actually developed through came together after Ellie came in, but they were aware and working with each other before, but just were not the council. Very interesting. What's Ellie's role on the council? He would say he's still trying to figure that out. They put him in charge, in charge to bring everybody together. That is the book. So he was invited to be on the Federation as well, somewhere in his working at, in the council. He was brought into the Galactic Federation along with V. So V and Ellie uh, were both brought into the Galactic Federation. Your question was? What's his role? He still is a mediator in some way because he interfaces with the Galactic Federation and the council. And when they bring in, when they bring in new beings, because there's always new beings that are evolving universally. They they are brought in to be vetted, so it seems like that is part of his role as a as a mediator between the Galactic Federation because they would bring them in. He would be part of the team to be to vet that those individuals, that new species, that whatever, to see if they fit in accordance with what is the knowledge or what is the mission, which is there's a part of the Federation that is a mission to help humans, right, on Earth. So that particular thing, he would see where they fit. They may not. So they would be guided or they'd be put in another position somewhere or another, um, what would they call that? The, the Federation has organizations. So they would be put into another organization that would be more befitting to them. The committees. Committees, yeah. Every committee has a mission. It just depends on is it directed at Earth, which he was more interested in. And he's not interested in other, at least not at this moment, not interested in other planets or anything like that. So he's kind of like the guide wire that takes takes beings from the Federation and brings them into the council for wherever that is. So I believe that what the council, now that I'm hearing this, I believe that what the council is doing in the reorganization is that they are also setting up sub-councils so that beings that come in may not be part of the 28. Uh, that's why they're bringing in the five. So he's saying that there's five others that are a smaller council that are not part of the 28, but they're considered 33 because they like that number. And we'll probably be introduced to those in the next couple of months too. So that's what he does. He's kind of a mediator. He's a, he's a teacher. He teaches teaches other humans in their dream state. What does he like to teach about? He's fascinated with the history. So he teaches humans their ancient cultures, their ancient history, where they have come from. Not everyone is Anunnaki because this planet was seeded with other beings, you know, other star nations. It's not just the Anunnaki who started everything. So we have DNA that is from other star beings, other star nations. He determines what that is. He works with, and we've met Sari. So he works with Sari doing some DNA evaluation. 
to find out where those humans may be plugged into and then in their dream state or their meditative state or or in their relaxed place where they are more in tune with who they are with that with themselves then he can feed them some information we'll give them little downloads give them little little downloads about where they've come from or who they are you know brighten up their dna so that they feel more connected to the multidimensional. that's great tell him i'm really glad that he's doing that yeah, he's not the only one. You know, there's no, good, but all the beings that are doing that, I feel grateful for. I feel very yeah. grateful. There's that kind of help going on. The Galactic Federation, can you, with Ellie's help, tell us more about it? Like, what exactly is the Galactic Federation? How large is it? Is it just any information about what is the Galactic Federation exactly? So he would say, he would compare it to what we call the internet. Our internet is a plethora of information and categories and people and organizations and companies and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So he would say that the Galactic Federation, its initial purpose was prime directive, would have been the, the basis of saying humanity needs that. Like he he's not going to go into what prime directive would do with other beings and other species but he would say that the prime directive in its initial and there's eight beings eight light beings on that prime directive that never leave each other they're like when when i see them there's like eight heads on a on a bright white shoulders and down right so they they're not they're so interfaced they're so enmeshed that it's just seeing these heads so they would have the idea of what humanity would need but they can't interfere so what they would do is they would give that to whatever humanity may need this. It would go into the Federation. The Federation would plug it into wherever it felt like that specific need was. Mm -hmm. And then that group, like the council in some way, other councils, other, other parts of the Federation would take that information and in some way because there's still we you know there's the universal law you cannot interfere with with choice and um but if you're invited in it's a loophole they would seed the field is how they started they would seed the field the universal the unified field with information so that in our meditation in our dream state in our choice to reach out like through prayer or whatever that would go into the field and they might be able to get a download. That's where the figure eight comes in. It's that very, it's that place of sharing. Okay. So the Federation is set up that way. It's like a, it spreads out to wherever the need is great. And then there's subcategories under that, that are in affiliation with the Federation, but they are not necessarily the Federation. Right. Is there something negative that is in opposition to the galactic federation that's similar in its structure and size not in its structure and size because size because the federation has many moving pieces and so they see themselves as more of the galactic force if they if you want to use that because they have alignment with others that are maybe not so not as big not everybody belongs to the Galactic Federation. There's other federations that are around, but their desire for good for beings in general 
right? All beings, <clears throat> their desire for good, they feel like they are more encompassing in the cosmic area than the fractions of, of those that may have disagreements or are not aligned with that mission. Can you tell us more about multidimensional integration? Yes, that's the invitation, right? That's the invitation for all humans to look at who they've been in past lives, in their timelines. I mean, that is this council's particular involvement is looking at all timelines to integrate them, to remove them, to heal them so that we're not dealing with it as we are in this timeline that we're in right now, because all those timelines, all that unfinished karma, all that that is hanging out there in the field that is not complete, we're seeing it, we're feeling it, it's coming up, it's all part of disclosure of so many things that are emerging on the planet, and Mother Earth herself is in her own evolution, and her own healing of timelines, so, you know, we got, we got so much that's happening here for good, all good reason. And that's why we're really here because we were invited and we chose to, right. to come here in this particular time. The question was again, integration, multidimensional integration. integration. Yeah. What does that actually mean? Like that, that I would be integrated. I have a full on human form, a third dimensional form. I've already learned I have other forms that I am in other places right now that aspects of me are maybe on Sirius or some other plane. Yes. And and so the integration would be that I work more closely with them. Yeah, the integration, like I I am I feel very integrated with Ellie, right? Because we've been working together for 30 some years. So I feel very integrated with him knowing his background, feeling him when he's present, but the gifts, there's, they're more interested in, if you're on Cirrus, right, and you have a gift of seeing, or you have a gift of healing, or you have a gift of something, right, that if you knew more about that timeline of who you were, which you still are, and you had an interface with that to heal if there was anything to be healed, so you do, we have the tools of the Ho'opono, we have the tools of, you know, you can do, you can do any number of modalities and tools to understand that timeline better. But if you had a healing capacity or whatever, once the timeline is healed, you can invite and bring that healing capacity here. It may not be the same because we're in a different form, sure. but there is always the residue or the frequency or the, there's something that you can bring forward about that so like with ellie he has the ability comes from his ancient ancestors from very from not Meldak a long time ago which i don't even know where it was i only saw the planet once but he comes in with the ability to heal with glowing blue hands mm -hmm. when i saw that and felt that i was like wow that would that be cool but my hands-on work with people. No, my hands don't glow blue, but I've had people that are in tuned to that frequency say, wow, I, I can feel something moving in my body. Or I can, like, I just got this total body chill, but when you put my hands on, you know, when I put my hands on them, or, you know, there's something about it was an interface, it was a, a gift 
in some way. Now, do I know totally how to use it yet? No, I think I still need to learn how to do that. But I feel like it came from that inter, you know, that integration piece. Right. So when I think of integration in the third dimension, it, it's usually pretty total. And so I'm not sure you're talking about that. Like you and Ellie no. are integrated, but you're you're not totally integrated. You're still two separate beings sharing a timeline. Yes. And you each, yes. as two separate beings on this timeline, have qualities that the others, that the other, you have qualities that Ellie doesn't, and Ellie has qualities you don't. Right. But there's some <clears throat> beautiful threads of connection that yes. help you both use those tools sometimes. Yes. Is that an accurate way of describing that would be it? An accurate way. It's not about in it's not about being the same. It, it, it isn't because that timeline existed how many thousands of years ago. Right. And, right. And there isn't a there isn't a blending. Right. There isn't a blending like we would see a blending, right? It would be more like if you see the figure eight there's some there's one person on the end of that figure eight and there's this one and so they're shared they're shared frequencies of yeah. gifts i want to say it feels like integration is um it's a term that feels a little bit further out than you know figuring out who else you are sharing a timeline with like before you can have this kind of connection where there's this back and forth, beautiful um, figure eight, you know, going and having this shared aspects of each other. You have to even know that oh, there yeah. is a being somewhere that you could have a shared aspect with. And yes. who are these beings that you would have shared aspects with? And I'm wondering if Ellie has any idea how we can get better at knowing that. Is there anything we can do on our side, you know, and I know that we already have spoken about just, you know, going in the field and asking, is there anything else? Is there any preparation that we could make? He would say that the first thing you need to have is the curiosity to, you have to have the belief system that you exist elsewhere. So you need to know what multidimensional means. And then the curiosity of well, I really feel pulled to the Pleiadians or I feel pulled to Cirrus or I feel pulled to, you know, Jupiter, you know, any of those places that feels like it's either a common thread that you've been interested in it for years or now in your present day, you're more awake and maybe there's people talking to you three times in a week about something that's the same. So once that curiosity is, is sparked, then it is either going in or using your own tools, asking the universe, so do I have a connection to Pleiades or Cirrus or do I have a connection to that? And show me, that's a, that's a big one, show me, so that if you're visual, you might get something that is visual or you might hear a word or you might, you know, for some people they get taste or they, you know, some sensory form. They might even feel that their body shifts into something but it's staying with it. The biggest thing is with humans that they find is that humans doubt. Don't we ever. <laughs> yeah. So you get a piece of information instead of following it, you know, like the breadcrumbs, instead of following it and asking more questions and 
that type thing, looking on the internet, if there's anything about what you just got or any of those things, you just let it go. You know, you go, oh, I don't know what that means. And the day goes on. They would say as a group, as multidimensionals, only speaking for them is that the human doubting mind is the place that becomes the derailment for most humans. You know, if they're committed to finding out, then they're going to be taken more and more and more into that place of understanding. And then, you know, you go to somebody that might have information for them that can tap into that, that timeline and give them some information that will resonate. You know, if it doesn't resonate with the person, I would just say, okay, thank you very much for the information, but it's got to resonate. Right. Sure. Is there anything else that Ellie wants us to know? He sees humanity as unique. That we have been given everything that we have been provided for. So he's very strong about his beliefs and opinions of how we have been given everything on this planet and how we've misused it and how we've denied it. And it's not just because of Mother Earth. It's the fact of other planets, other civilizations, other species don't kill each other. It'd be great if we could stop doing that. Right. The benevolence that was offered to this planet through our own choice and our own heart of choice, he would see that that was a grand gift and that we have, through the years, wasted it. Mother Earth is trying to reset. Mother Earth is trying to claim her sovereignty again and saying enough is enough. The multidimensionals are aligned with that. They don't want to see humanity come to an end. They don't want to see it be a cataclysmic event that takes everybody out. They will also not allow humans to participate on other planets that are still in the mindset of what we are. Right. Now. He's addressing the galactic traveling that we are attempting to do now more so than ever. And one of the reasons is to migrate to another planet to set up the same thing as we have here. They cannot allow that. It's past Earth's choice place. We are now into their realm. We are now into something that doesn't really belong to us and we have no part of and we don't own it. There's rules and laws that are out there that humans are being governed by, even if they don't know it yet. Yeah. I'm heartened by that, even though I hear that there's some limits that we might cross that could cause some devastation on some level. I'm heartened because we have to start to learn to stop overstepping our boundaries as a race. We're really pretty wild at that. And that's the whole point. We've overstepped Mother Earth's boundaries. We've, we overstep each other's boundaries and then want to kill each other. Or It's wild. He sees us as an entitled adolescent community and that is what's happening in this particular timeline is that there's all about entitlement and very little compassion or understanding or any of those human aspects that he so cherishes right i cherish them too i have to say i'm, I'm always marveling when there's human kindness or like how groups will come together and help each other yes. when we're when we're having floods or disasters and, and then we go right back to hating. It's, it's remarkable to me that we have such a capacity to 
have compassion and love and then we forget all about it and get all blamey pointy yeah it gives us something to do is what he sees it becomes an object of our unfinished business everybody else becomes an object if you understood who you were and you accepted the multidimensionality, and you saw the gifts that you're even capable of and the choices that you make that could be more benevolent and lead others you can become a leader in some way you can create your own you know you can own your own sovereignty in some way that's all that's all the gifts but we become insecure within the human place and we blame others and we're back to doubting ourselves and everyone else we're back to that doubt right yeah yeah he he would recommend to sari that in her next experimentation with humans that we unplug the doubt gene i would suggest it as well Let's unplug the doubt gene. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great idea. I hope Siri can figure out how to do that. <laughs> yeah. I like that very much. She can start with me. No problem. <laughs> I will, I will put. Go okay. Through. Ask for her. Ask, ask for her. I'd be curious to see what happens when you. I, I'd be curious for her. And I would be curious to see what happens if she removes my doubt. That would be. Oh, wouldn't that be Watch something? out. That's right. <laughs> At some point, we should talk about when we talk. We did talk about Siri in the chamber, right? I think we did. Yeah. More, say more. Yeah. There, you know, I've had clients that work in the chamber. They will connect with Siri and they work in the chamber. It's very oh, no. short, it's whatever, and they come out like flying. Like they, you know, so. Yeah. So I think we do need to talk more about that. More about that. Just, yeah. just, just right now, can you just say a little bit more about this chamber? Because no, I have not heard about this. So chamber. it's the transformation chamber that I was introduced to. I was introduced to it probably in 92. Uh-huh. I just called it the transformation chamber. I knew what it looked like. I had no idea. It wasn't really used, but they told me about it. When we do the 246, when, when I was introduced to the 28 and they said, you know, the transformation chamber is really 246. 246 is the second, fourth, and sixth chakra that I've worked with with the council of 28 and the groups to take people up with their DNA to the council room, okay? It was that place of bringing in new DNA because once you're in the council room and they work with you or whatever, you have a new spark in the DNA. So you bring that down and now it's integrated into your into your physical form moved into that now the interesting thing the ee system is part of the is the chamber in coming into physical form wow yeah so it does change dna it does it itself isn't it it offers the field like they're bringing in the unified field right so that your body sitting in that being present with that your body does the figure eight and brings in that energy of whatever needs for you to be healed so you're sitting in the field and you're getting that information you're getting that frequencies for your own healing of whatever needs to be healed at that time the chamber has had its evolution as well awesome thank you thank you for elaborating and back to ellie is there anything else we can do this is my last question for a day and i just want to know how we can be more participatory, you know, how can we be a partner rather than? (laughs) Oh, so how can we be helpful to them too? See, they don't see us as that other than if we just keep saying, give me more, give me more, then that's something else, right? 
but when you connect with them, when there is a sharing, so they get the they get the opportunity, even if it's in that figure eight and not that immersed, you become me, I become you. It's not that, right? But they get that opportunity to be more in the human form of what that's like. So they're not us, but they can, they have a better relationship with what it's like to be human. They can, so to speak, they kind of follow us because we are in their field, right? And they are in our field. They have more access to that. So they are learning from us. They are learning what works and they're learning what doesn't work. They are learning for other humans on other planets to guide them in a way to avoid anything like what is happening here or worse. What we can do for that is basically ask and be in meditation and be in that harm, harmonious heart felt resonance with the field because that's where they live. We all live in the field, right? Well, and that's the easiest thing we can do, really. That is the easiest thing we can do. It, it really is. I mean, that's not a big ask. It's mm-hmm. it's about our time. It's about a little bit of time and settling ourselves and being able to take control of our minds so we're not spinning in that high beta speed. It's the commitment. You know, like when you think of the seven seeds, the acceptance and allowance, the third one is the commitment. And it's not commitment right. to them. It's commitment to ourselves to know all that we are. Right. Yeah, the seven seeds are pretty spectacular. I keep wanting to write them all down somewhere where I can just look at those words every day. And I don't, well, I might've, and they're here somewhere, <laughs> but I'd like them out in the front. Is there anything you, anything else you'd like to say today, Darlene? I mean, speaking to Ellie, I'm just very grateful that he said what he said 30 some years ago that yeah. led me on a, on a path of my own cleaning up of knowing who I was and all the all the instruction and the teaching and the lessons and everything that they've given me through the last 30 some years to be a better person. Well, and what you've shared with the rest of us is pretty spectacular as well, given that it started with Ellie is pretty, I feel very grateful to him for that moment. Oh, good. He tips his hat to you is what he's <laughs> funny dude maybe he took humor from somebody i'm trying to find out where that is <laughs> go talk to sari she wants some. go talk to sari where do you get that humor right right wherever he got it from he can share it with her yes <laughs> all right well that's all for today great it was nice uh it was nice having everybody here okay all right have a good bye. great one bye <laughs>